Hey everybody, thanks for downloading this episode of the Chicago Podcast Network's Out Front with AJ and Nick. You can find us on Twitter under Chicago Podcast Network. You can find us on Gmail, Chicago Podcast Network at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook on our page there, Chicago Podcast Network. And most importantly, you can support the show by downloading and subscribing to this podcast and all Chicago Podcast Network podcasts through iTunes, Android, and any other device that you use. Hope you enjoy the show. Thanks, everybody. And here we go. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Chicago Podcast Network. This is Out Front with AJ and Nick. I am your illustrious host and grand poobah of Chicago Podcast Networking. Uh, Nick Sarantos joined over the interwebs by my illustrious co-host, Mr. AJ Signeri, whose last name I always mispronounce. AJ, how you doing, buddy? Fine, Harry. I'm, you, Nick. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, so today's topic... If you clicked on the podcast link, you know, is Chicago sports scandals. And we're going to kind of go not just the current stuff, but also historically. And also why these stories seem to become the primary story in a market like Chicago. Because as much as we like to sit here and talk, AJ, about you and I wanting to be able to, you know, talk local issues, it's, it's funny that in a city with a major budget crisis where there were 12 people killed over the weekend, the number one story is the Patrick Kane story still. And mm-hmm. to me, I, I, you know, not getting into whether or not he did what he did or the reaction of the fans, but we're going to get into the reaction of the fans a little bit later. It's, it's bizarre to me that in a, the number three, arguably number four, if you want to give it to Houston now, um, which, you know, you're not supposed to because I'm a lifelong Chicagoan, but they're overtaking. These are the stories that are coming up. You know, you have the Derrick Rose, you know, civil suit about a rape allegation. There's the stories involving the Bears, and these become the stories that lead the media here. I was curious with you, do you find, in your experience, that that tends to be the case, that if you're talking to friends and family, that they seem more interested in the sports stories than they do the political or social economic stories? Well, yeah, it's, it's not just, well, Chicago is a little bit more prevalent because Chicago has always had a history of sports scandals, and I'm going all the way back to the Black Sox scandals mm. of Chicago and everything. I, I really feel that people like to talk more about sports, the politics of sports, than politics itself because people can relate to sports and they can re- relate to like a Republican and Democratic issues and stuff like that. It's an every person thing. You know, we go to Buffalo Wild Wings or your mom and pop bar and you're talking about sports and you have those who really love about sports and then they tie that political aspect to it. So I think more people are more attracted to um, um, sports scandals because they can relate to it to a degree, whether they play, they coach, um, they're just a lifelong fan of a sport or sports. Uh, um, it's just everyone can connect to that, and not everyone can connect to the political arena. So, essentially, I mean, without being directly saying it, it's, it's 
almost laziness on the on the part of the of the reader, the consumer, however you want to put it, of the media that they they go to the story that they can easily understand. I get that because when you it's it, to try to in your own head rationalize again, you know, twelve people were killed over the weekend. It is heartbreaking, and you don't want to think about that. But to get the shot in Freuda, you know, to use a fancy term of an athlete, you know, having a fall from grace, which, you know, they've tested the, the whole, I, my, one of my favorite things is the idea that they've tested schadenfreude on rats, you know, you mm-hmm. can, they, or mice, they, they, the alpha, when it is taken down, there is a pleasure, uh, basically serotonin is released in the brain of the mice that they enjoy watching someone of that level be taken down. When this cane thing happens, sometimes I wonder if that's part of it, but the fallout of it would imply that people are defensive because their fandom is associated with something so negative. You you mentioned the Black Sox of 1919, arguably the biggest sports scandal in the history of America when, you know, allegedly eight members of the Chicago White Sox threw the World Series and, you know, there's evidence that at least five of them did, but another three were just wrongfully accused and banned. You know, the Shoeless Joe Jackson thing of where he batted 325 in the World Series and all this kind of stuff. But it's always had this huge following of, okay, well, we've got to you know follow this story and really be a part of it. And I, I've always said, and you've heard me say it on your old show, where sports are a weird thing because they simultaneously have no meaning whatsoever but matter significantly, which is a weird thing for something to, to get into, you know. And with these stories in particular, this last few years in Chicago and going even further with the Ray Rice and everything like that, it, it makes you question your ability to enjoy the sport. At least for me, I have been struggling for the last year with the morality of being a sports fan. I, I don't know if I like sports the same way that I did even five years ago. Uh, when the Great example, my mom always likes to tell the story that when, I, when the Bears were in the Super Bowl in 2006, I woke up that Super Bowl Sunday, and my mom like called a couple of her friends because they were having a party, and I was going to one myself. And every person she was on the phone, she was you should see Nick. It's like it's Christmas morning, and he's six. Because I was so excited to watch the Bears in the Super Bowl. We won't get into that failed birth attempt that was a game. But, you know, <laughs> I, I, but to me, like the moment when Devin Hester ran that opening kickback for a touchdown, I experienced a euphoria that, honest to God, is, is, is right up there with sex. And, and people, you know, it's a weird thing to say, but it's biochemically the same amount of, sh- of of stuff went off in my brain where I was like, this is the greatest feeling on the planet. When the Hawks won the Cup in 2010, I cried like a baby. At the same time, it doesn't affect my life. It doesn't get me out of trouble. It doesn't, you know, connect me to anything bigger than myself. It, it's, it's a bizarre thing, the way that sports affects your brain. And then you have these scandals that make you question the purity of your fandom have you with all this stuff struggled to because you're a Packers fan I'm a Bears fan we're not gonna you know get down into that nitty-gritty crap because to be perfectly frank what am I gonna say you you have the greatest quarterback in in possibly of all time playing for you right now and I've got Cutler so there's that but realistically have you 
questioned your fandom a little bit more in the last few years as a result of these scandals? Yeah, I mean, I, I really can't explain it other than I'm less and less of a fan of sports um, because of scandals, because of how organizations have been running these days to hyping up all these players from the Aaron Rodgers and Derrick Roses of the world to like second string, third string players are even hyped up like why and I'm getting less and less interested in how much millions of dollars they're making. You know, I've always liked sports because it was an outlet for me of an interest and wanted to fit in at the junior high and high school level and times the college level, but uh, it was also something I enjoyed, you know, and once you see all these things before you and they kind of, like, disappoint you, it's like, yeah, you're going to be less and less of a fan and everything. Going back to your point about this euphoric um, sensation one gets, I mean, whether you're a fan, a lifelong fan of a sport or a team or whatever, or you're a coach or a player, and you know the right moment it's happening, and you just have like this well of energy just running right through Yeah, we explain it. I mean, your experience is probably different from mine and the person next to you, but we know that when we know a right so that right moment that one gets, you know, like I said, I, I can't explain it, you can't explain it, but when it happens, it happens, and it's just a great feeling, and it can last for, like, that moment, or it can last throughout the whole, whole duration of the game and everything. Um, so, yeah, um, those are my two cents about those two things. The... Uh to me, the amazing thing is how willing we all are to allow somebody who is good at a sport to be treated the way that, you know, you get the stories of the old Roman gladiators as an example, where they were, you know, slaves were thrown to them as prizes and stuff like that. And that weirdly continues throughout all of human history up until now. If you can play, if you can make baskets, if you can, you know, score, score the goal, stick handle fancy, dribble really well, you know, kick the ball, whatever, however you want to put it, or God forbid play soccer, you can do be treated on a level that is beyond anything that anybody else is allowed to experience. And you get, I, I have no problem with the money stuff. You know, people throw money all the time as, as one of the major issues with sports. I don't have that issue. I feel, if you know the history, I mean, I, I'm assuming you're like me, you're a PBS junkie. Have you watched Ken Burns baseball? That's the, that's the one that I've never watched yet. Really? Oh, yeah. you should watch it. You should. I don't know what it is. I mean, yeah, I just never been drawn to it. I don't know if it's because Ken Burns or it's on PBS. I don't know. I saw the Canadian Ken Burns version of hockey, which was a good documentary. It's better than that. And if you well, you so you never watched the Ken Burns Civil War thing. No. Okay. Same thing. It's just they're very long. Obviously, the baseball one is. 
I think, 15 hours long total if you go okay. through the whole thing. But my point is that they get very much into the early days of baseball and how the owners were screwing over the players to a point where, you know, to use the term slave is, is obviously ridiculous, but it's it's a similar way of treating the players where they weren't allowed to negotiate with other teams. They were locked in with everybody else. And without those controls, it's very evident that the owners would take advantage of the players if possible. And to be honest, without the greatest players in the world, you don't have a product worth watching. So it behooves them to play the, pay the players more. I have no problem with somebody if you have the ability to make a lot of money for you to go out and make a lot of money. I don't have a problem with that. But the amount of money that they make makes the you know allows them to exist in these bubbles where you know the Patrick Kane thing as an example a lot of people have been throwing around well maybe he just thinks women are disposable because since he's been 17 years old you know he's been able to have for lack of a better term any woman he wants i still don't see that that leads to violent rape which is what he's been accused of at least in the media um but the, the ability for people to just kind of whitewash it and, and go with it as, yeah, no, this is, the okay, we, we, it's been about 10, 15, 12 minutes here. Let's, let's get into the fan reaction because that's really what I want to get into with Chicago sports scandals. There has been a rush and I, by a lot of people in my personal life, on the Internet, in other places to defend this guy and to openly say that they don't think he did anything wrong. And I believe that they say that because they want to be able to watch him play hockey. Do you think, do you get the same thing with you? Yeah. I mean, you're going to have people like a Patrick Kane or, or someone like that, where you're, you're trying to find ways to get rid of them, whether it's within the organization or within a, like Chicago Blackhawks or within the greater organization of the sport and everything. And I've always, ever since um, that Buffalo incident, when he hit somebody, I kind of felt that since then a microscope was on Patrick Kane. Like, you know, he, you know, he's going to screw up. He's going to screw up. He's going to screw up. And like this happened. And now it's like, Oh, Oh, you need to get rid of him. You need to get rid of him. But he still plays. He still, you know, does his job and everything. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there's a little bit of that where someone like a Patrick Kane, um, someone is hawking him and really wants to do damage to him for whatever. No, see, but that's the thing. I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about people who want to damage him. I'm talking about the people who want to defend him. I'm, ta- I'm talking about the people who... First of all, decide to throw out there the, the he's innocent until proven guilty thing as this overall shield as to why the guy should be able to still play in the NHL. And to me, I've, I've always gone, listen, playing in a professional sports league is not a right. He has the right to not go to jail, which he hasn't done. But if the league goes, listen, this is... First of all, I think that you and I both who have known people who have struggled with addiction... Uh, and serious addiction, not Hollywood addiction, which is a different mm-hmm. thing, which is where you go to a rehab because you're in trouble and you're just trying to get rid of it. But real addictions, those people who say that, oh, because he's been drinking and drinking, even the Buffalo incident where he hit somebody, there is a significant difference between I'm a drunk asshole and I'm a violent rapist. 
You know, that, that those two things don't necessarily... I mean, alcohol is always a correlation in a lot of domestic violence cases. But mm-hmm. violent rape, the act of sexually you know, violating a person, that is a different leap than I'm a drunk prick. And, right, of course. And, and people, though, here... You know, and, and it's, it's strange to me because I, I have a friend of mine, and I'm not going to say her name, but, you know, she's one of those people who the day that the allegation came out, you know, immediately was like, well, this woman's looking for money. And, and that to me is part, the number of women who actually come forward with a rape allegation who are just looking for a payday are few and far between. They don't happen as often as the media would allow you to believe. It's no different than, you know, the way that the media covers other stories where they're like, oh, it's running rampant, you know, illegal immigrants are, sent, are, are all... The Donald Trump thing, they're all rapists and murderers. Well, no, most of them are not. In fact, 97% of them are not. And the 3% that are coming over are the exceptions that prove the rule that they're not as opposed to, you know, showing you a better example of it. The, to me, I've noticed that on my social... Like, I, I talked to friends of mine, and the, the girl who I spoke of, the day that the allegation came out, I stand with 88 hashtag right on her wall. You know, She started posting all the pictures because she's like stalked the guy, all the pictures that she's taken. I saw one woman hold up a sign outside of an event that said, I would let Patrick Kane rape me. Wow. And that's the stuff where I'm like, what is wrong with you people? Like... He can play hockey. That doesn't mean that he's a god. And it doesn't mean that he's any more likely or less likely to be guilty. But to just instantly go, well, I don't care. The guy clearly didn't do it. This is just somebody for a payday. You don't know that. You don't know what the story on this woman is. You don't know what actually happened. And honestly, with the way that this insane case has gone, we're never going to know what actually happened that night. And to me, as a fan of the sport, as a fan of that team since I was a kid, my, my dad tells this story that the first thing he did with me when I was a baby was took me to a Hawks playoff game that I slept through. And like this has been a part of my life. It's, it's one of those things I bond with my father over. And it's tainted by this case where I don't know if I want to watch this guy play for my team, but I see people online who are instantly... And just because they want to be able to enjoy hockey are willing to let a rapist play for their team. That's the stuff where I get, I don't want to say angry, but I get very confused as to the thought process of it. With you on your end, have you had, has there been anybody on your side who you're like, you bring up this as a topic of conversation and their views on it kind of shock you? Uh, I didn't really think about that. Um, I mean, at this moment, not really. Um because the people I'm th- I think about, um, whether it's a fan and an athlete or a team and vice versa, um, they're usually just defending them or, or they say, no, they need to go to jail or they need to be traded or something like that. I mean, because right off the bat, I'm not thinking of anything outright um, – no, I can't think of anything right now, Nick. Oh, huh, it's fascinating. I, I wonder if it's just because I'm still up here and, I, and I'm seeing it more. I mean, there's sports exist in this bizarre reality where, you know, there's a newspaper in Chicago, the Sun-Times, that the entire existence of that newspaper is dependent on the sports section. You know, they, they don't sell the Sun-Times because of their investigative reporting. They sell it because of the sports section. They have sports on the cover of theirs news on their newspaper at least once a week. 
mm-hmm. and it and it drives advertising and it drives sales. But there is something go- that has gone on as long as I've been alive, but more so recently with the social media aspect of all of this that allows you're able to see people's opinion a lot faster than just in casual conversation than as it was in years past. Mm-hmm. And to me, you have a guy, take away who he is. If I presented you with this case without knowing that it was Patrick Kane, wouldn't you side with the victim? Don't you watch Law & Order SVU about victim shaming and what Olivia Benson tells us all to do once a week? You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's shocking to me the level that people are willing to jump up and be counted on the side of a guy who's accused of rape. I, I don't understand that. I have a guy who works in this office building where I'm recording the show. He's a really nice guy. And he and I have talked about it. And he's one of those dudes who, since this thing has gone on, has been talking about all the different ways that the story can get thrown out of court. And what I keep saying to him every single time is, you're not understanding me. I don't care if he gets away with it in the courts. I care that he actually didn't do it. And unless you can show me that he actually didn't do it, I don't think I want to watch number 88 play hockey for the Blackhawks anymore. I don't want to be watching in Game 7 of a Western Conference Final and be rooting for Patrick Kane to do magic. Because when I look at Patrick Kane, all I see right now is is an alleged rapist who's going to probably skate on the charges due to a technicality. And that bothers me. And it bothers me that friends of mine, people who I love and respect, are so willing to just, you know dive all over this and scandals in chicago aren't anything new when it comes to these kinds of stuff but this is it's different because of the the ability for it to explode onto the scene you know through twitter and facebook and now it's part of everybody's conversation and it it just forces you to have to to look at things differently there's a civil suit pending right now against derrick rose uh, alleging that he gang-raped his ex-girlfriend by roofing her at a party, and then a bunch of his friends went to her house and gang-raped her. Now, if you read the the complaint, it sounds very far-fetched. But it's mm-hmm. paired with this Patrick Kane story. So in comparison of the two, you go, okay, well, the Derrick Rose thing doesn't really seem like the kind of thing that would be true. And the Patrick Kane thing, it's you know a little bit more possibility of it being true. But we're not willing to, most people who I talk to aren't willing to spend the time to look into it to really make the, the call for themselves. They're just going off of their instinct of wanting to watch their guy play hockey. And, I, and, mm-hmm. and, and that offends me. I, I, I'm just curious, like the Patrick Kane thing for you, you're not a diehard hockey fan, but you've, in the time that I've known you, kind of grown into it a little bit. Would you want to watch, the, the season starts in three weeks. Do you want Patrick Kane on the Blackhawks as a fan of that team? No, um, I personally wouldn't just because of, of this incident and a few other things and of Patrick Kane. I thought when him and Tatum Sharp came in, I thought that was going to be like the best thing the Hawks would ever have and everything. And I kind of knew from that, from that moment that this was the beginning of uh, – a new dynasty in Chicago and everything. But as he has been with the Blackhawks, you know, I've kind of been 
gradually more being more disappointed um, of his conduct off the rink than in the rink and everything. As a player, he's phenomenal, and, and there's a YouTube video of him of hitting the puck anywhere in the rink and putting it in the net and everything, and his stick skills are phenomenal. So, again, from a, looking at him as a player, I would have him on my team, but if I was the owner of the Blackhawks, I would ask him to leave the team or trade him to someone else. You know what? It's a, you mentioned the owner of the team, and this is something that isn't talked enough about, I think. And uh, I'll point to the Ray Rice thing. I'll point to the Giants in the 80s with Lawrence Taylor. The owner of a team is a businessman. And at the end of the day, businesses are about making money. And it, financially, it behooves the Blackhawks to have Patrick Kane. He moves merchandise. He wins championships. But the, the, the thing about the owner is this. I'm, I'm always shocked at the, you know, what's, what's the line from the old McCarthy hearings? Have you no sense of decency, sir? These men have daughters. They have nieces. They have wives. They have mothers. And they are so willing to allow these, you know, look at the NFL. The NFL is the best example of this. You know, I've heard people say that you can't win a Super Bowl if you have a team of angels, you know, playing for you. If you have nothing but good guys on your team, you're going to lose. And my question would be, well, fine. I would rather lose with good men than win with monsters. Right. You know, and, and that's me personally. But there are so many owners in sports that are willing to allow, you know, Ray Rice as an example. Or here's, here's a better one. You and I talked about it when it happened. The, the Adrian Peterson story, where you and me, relatively intelligent, educated people, look at that and go, that man abused his child. He didn't discipline. He didn't spank. He beat his child bloody, a four-year-old child bloody with a stick. And the reaction of people to say, well, you know, America is becoming too much of a wuss country, and we need to allow kids to get hit. And you go, yeah, fine. You want to say that a kid needs to be spanked every now and then? I'm not going to tell you how to raise your kid. But if I'm standing in the street and I see a 300-pound man <coughs> excuse me, beating a 4-year-old with a stick bloody, I'm going to stop, do everything I can to stop the 300-pound man. And I'm damn sure not going to hire that guy to work for me. But there are so many owners who are willing to allow monsters to come back and work for them because they helped them win a couple games. That's the disgusting part to me. That's the part where I just don't understand how men who have families, who have people in their lives that they look at and go, yeah, no, I'm fine with this. Because that's what you're saying. You're saying you're okay with Adrian Peterson kick, uh, you know, beating that kid. The Blackhawks have come out and basically said that we're okay with what happened with Patrick Kane. Whether or not they are is irrelevant because by allowing the guy to go to training camp at, for the record, the University of Notre Dame, one of the schools with the worst record when it comes to sexual assault cases and how they d deal with them, which was just insane. They allow this stuff to keep happening, and it just... like I, I think of my dad. I think of my grandfather. I think, uh, and, and maybe that's sexist of me to think of the two men who would most likely to own a sports franchise. If my dad knew that a guy who worked for him raped a woman... He wouldn't let him work for him anymore. But right. these guys do. Do you have any theory whatsoever on why you think? Is it really just greed? Is greed really the answer, you think, to most of the world's problems? I, I, I think I really think it has been, you know, because 
it, like in journalism, you know, if it bleeds, it leads, you know, if scandal for sports is the hot ticket item because someone wants to see that, you know, whether it's like, um, oh, what was his name for, he, he played for the Warriors, um, who's now Metal World Peace. Uh, Ron Artest. Um, no, Latrell Sprewell. Well, Latrell Sprewell is another good example. You know, with his conduct, he did with the Golden Warriors. Yeah, but and, even that, even know, that, is, people, even that to me, though, the Latrell Sprewell thing where he choked his coach. Yeah. It's a physical altercation between two men, both of whom are willing to do it in a competitive environment. It, you know, a great example is why wasn't, did you see the Jonathan Pavlobaum, Bryce Harper thing in Washington? Yeah. Okay. That's assault. In any other setting, anywhere else on the planet, Jonathan Pavelbaum should be arrested for assault. Mm-hmm. He's not because it takes place in sports. I'm okay with the Latrell Sprewell thing. Um, as, as horrible as that might sound, and even the Ron Artest, the Ron Artest going into the crowds, that's, that the, that's the line. You can't attack people who aren't involved in the sport. And if it happens on the field of play, hockey fighting, as a great example, should be a crime. Right In any other setting, if you walked up to some dude and pulled his shirt over his head and just started punching him in the face, you're going to go to jail. On the ice, eh, it's fine. It fires up the crowd. You know, it, it, sports have this thing, and, and, and some of it I'm okay with, but so I'm talking about the monsters. I'm talking about you know the guys who kill people. You know, I, I have uh, NFL Madden 13 is the version of Madden that I've been playing now for three years. And whenever I turn that game on, it starts off with Ray Lewis on the cover of my, on my screen, and then he gives a wrestling promo about football, and the game starts. That's how it starts every single time. Ray Lewis was involved in a double homicide and covered up what actually happened, and the dude is celebrated as one of the greatest players in the history of the NFL. And it's never acknowledged national media style of what this guy was involved with, and to me, that's the thing, Edge. We're all part of it. We're all we all tacitly agree to this stuff by allowing that kind of crap to happen, and and it hurts my brain to try to figure out why. What is it about sports that makes us just go, yeah, you know what, Babe Ruth? Here's a good one. Michael Jordan cheated on his wife in every city he ever went to. Was a gambling addict, still is, and did all these terrible things. But because the media protected him. I love Michael Jordan, and I will go to my grave defending Michael Jordan, not his actions off, but his actions on the court. Because when I was 10, 11, 12, and then 15, 16, 17, every summer ended with the, started with the Bulls winning a championship. And those memories matter to me. So it's, it's this double-edged sword, I guess. That's not even the right expression. It's just this... This psychological thing that exists in our culture where if you're good at sports, if you excel at something, we're willing to give you the benefit of the doubt. You know, somebody pointed out to me not too long ago, if you remember when X-Men Days of Futures Past was coming out, mm-hmm. and there was a story about Brian Singer and the parties where ch- children were being raped. And it didn't go anywhere, and it was most likely not... I mean, I, did, I don't want it... You know what... The, getting into this how much of it do you think is just we don't people don't want it to be true well going back to michael jordan i would equate michael jordan and bill cosby because that's oh hold on aj hold on hold on that's not fair 
Yes, it is fair. No, no, you can't say it's not fair because it is fair because you're talking about two – because you say it yourself. You're talking about two people who are beloved by millions, okay? One person did was an entertainer who provided variety shows and he had a successful TV career and everything. And another entertainer who played for a sport – and people loved him as well. And those two people, everyone loves them. And people just don't want, want to know that, no, this cannot be because we have this aura about those two individuals. And it's like, oh, this can't be true. I'm like, well, I'm going to defend Cosby or Jordan because of these things. They're still good guys, but, you know, that's their private lives. Who am I to say? Well, it's for you to say because – you know, by you defending them, you are perpetuating and enabling the problem. I, 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 the only reason I was saying that it wasn't fair is one is accused of a crime, the other is just accused of being a bad person. You know, there's, there is a significant difference between those two. But I see what you're saying. I do see what you're saying, though, the point you were trying to make. And I, I, I you know, I see the point you're making where it's your. You have such an affinity for the public perception of who this person was that your brain doesn't want to allow for you to question it. I see. I, I get where you're going with that because the Cosby thing is actually, in many ways, a great example of this. Where early on, myself included, you know, the, the rush to defend him was so strong because he's America's dad in a way, and you want it and then the evidence just keeps coming just keeps coming just keeps coming there are still people out there who will defend bill cosby you know and and say that it, it, he didn't do it you know what was the thing with i think damon wayans you know said that you know you yeah. the, the whole thing it, it's was it damon yeah it was damon wayans and you know you this need to defend the celebrity you know now we're getting into just the cult of celebrity that we have here in america that I wonder how much of it is, I don't want to have been so wrong, so I'm going to make sure that this person stays on the right side. I don't want my championship celebration at my friend's house when the Hawks won those three cups to be tainted by this person. And that is insidious. That's that's the kind of stuff that needs to be protected against because it goes further than that when you look at uh, a political... Per- there are people in this country who still defend what Richard Nixon did at Watergate is the right thing to do. I mean, they're few and far between, but they exist. And mm-hmm. you have to fight against that. You, it's it's and, and I feel like most people aren't willing to have even the argument. I think part of my problem with this situation, especially with scandals, with the way sports are covered, is in Chicago especially, is the, the cult-like way we deal with stuff. I mean, there's a story going on the other day that Derek, or Jared Allen got traded. He played like crap and he got traded. And the city you know, is flipping out because the team's giving up or all this kind of stuff. And this is a front-page story on... You know, the, the Tribune, the Sun-Times, on their web pages. These are their top stories. And again, meanwhile, there's, there's the shootings, there's the budget crisis, there's any number of political scandals taking place within the Chicago machine. But I don't care about any of that. Please let me know whether or not the Bears are going to make a run at it or if I should, you know, be following the Hawks. Even the Hawks themselves in their press conference about the Patrick Kane scenario basically covered it for five minutes, kicked Patrick Kane out of the room, and then went on to talk about how great their team is. 
Mm-hmm. And and the reporters let him get away with it. They didn't go after it. And part of it is because the papers are as... Uh, I wonder if the media aspect is because you need to feed the content of the sports pages, man. Because you can't have a sports section if the team won't allow you access. And it's up to the team to allow you access, right? Mm-hmm. I, I wonder sometimes how much that's a factor. No, I, th- I think it is. Um... Yeah, I mean, there's a, I mean, there's a number of factors that are involved in everything, and um, and I guess I'm just hesitating because you know every time talk, talking about sports game deals, there's so many variables um, as to why athletes do things, why sports owners do th- things, coaches do things, why. Fans defend certain sports, public figures, so forth and so forth. And it's just nauseating at times. <laughs> it really is. And it's like, why do, why are we even talking about this? You know, and it's like you said, you had Patrick Kane, he did a press conference and they kicked him out and they moved on to something else. I'm like, why move on? We, we rather, grill Hillary Clinton on her emails than grilling Patrick Kane for doing what he did. I just don't, that's the part, I just doesn't, I just don't get it, you know, because I think it goes back to my earlier point is we look at sports as that common thread for anybody, whether you know, whoever you are or whatever capacity of sports you've done, we all can relate to it. We can't relate to politics. Not all of us are campaigners. Not all of us are candidates. Not all of us are elected officials. And not all of us work for government. And, so, and because of that division, you know, we can't have a healthy conversation at the dinner table, at the bar, or amongst friends without, you know, having really heated debates. Whereas in sports, you have heated debates also, but. Um, you can passively talk about sports. Like, oh, did you see that Chiefs-Packers game the other day? That was so great and how Aaron Rodgers passed and everything. Or, or that Cubs game, you know, I'm glad they won and stuff like that. And, you know, I wish they would trade this person because of whatever. Um, I guess that's where I'm coming down at. It's like we – cannot wrap our brains around it because we create this reality around sports. And then once something shatters that reality, we are kind of in a funk or we just don't get it because that's the one thing or one of the things that we latch onto in order for us to remove ourselves from work, remove ourselves from, you know, relationships, a bad relationship or you're having a bad day sports is that leisure activity whether you're watching or play it that we latch on to it in order for us to have that euphoric sensation so we're all just junkies chasing our high yeah and we damn damn anybody who tries to get in the way of our fix yeah and if you can go to the extreme end where it's gambling you know and and that's when you know you're kind of at a bottom that you're now betting on players, you're 
get in the debt, you drink, possibly do drugs, um, whatever it is, and that's it. I mean, watching the sport is the gateway. Actually partaking in gambling is that hard drug that one goes into and everything. I want to go back to what you were saying, though, because you were talking about, you know, you talk to your family, and it's interesting because, you know, think of Thanksgiving or Christmas when you're with your relatives, and, you know, we all have relatives that you can't discuss politics in front of because you're so diametrically opposed on every possible position, and you might not agree with gay rights or uh, women's issues or, let's say, health care or how to fix Social Security or the fact that the fact that John Boehner getting you know, stepping down as Speaker of the House is one of the most terrifying things to happen to this country because he's doing it for all the wrong reasons. And you try to have that conversation with a relative, and you can't because you're going to end up fighting, but you can just sit there and both agree that the Bears suck, you know, and why do they suck. And then you can have this conversation that feels important, but it's really not, and you're able to have it with the people that you love, and it's a way to step back from everything. And then when you have to start getting into I wonder how much of that is a factor. When you're sitting there trying to talk about the Patrick Kane thing with, like, a grandmother or an aunt or, you know, an uncle or your, or your parents, and you guys disagree on that, I wonder if that's a factor, too. Do you think where here's this unifying thing in our family that we used to use as the conversation filler at the table. And if we allow the idea that Patrick Kane is guilty of rape, then we have to actually have a conversation as a family over dinner about what rape is. No, I think you can use sports as a way to show someone where you are at, um, not where you're at politically, but talk about political issues. Um, it, it can be done, but it has to be done in a way I feel that you're not like really over exaggerating um, the point you're making. Because um, anytime I talk about health care or um, the national debt or something, you know, I try to relate it to some degree or another with sports because someone can understand it with sports and everything, you know, um, especially about, um, like minimum wage issues, um, civil liberty issues and, um, racial issues, whatever it is, um, you can tie into sports because sports to one degree or another also dwells into those things, um, whether it's within their sport or, or they have been part of that capacity when it comes to those issues and everything. Well, we've been doing this for about 45 minutes now, and I, I, I just kind of want to... The, the general point that I think both of us are trying to make is that you need to take this kind of stuff a little bit more seriously than people have been. Where we, we've all been, especially this summer... You know, think about it this way, man. Think about 2010, 2013. The entire summer was dedicated to celebrating the Blackhawks Stanley Cup, right? Like that was that was what we did for those two summers, you know, and you had people posting their photos from all over the city. Here I am where the Stanley Cup is. Here I, you know, that guy and this summer it's been this horrible, terrible story that has dominated the media and in the midst of it, we went through again a horribly violent summer. 
that was relegated to page three because this story of a sports star, you know, accused of rape led every night. And then had the, you know, went into days of our lives territory with the, you know, the, the evidence packet being dropped off at the house or the lawyer resigning, you know, midway through the case. Any of that sort of stuff has been allowed to be, you know, leading the news and all this other stuff gets pushed to the back. And, and you know, we, we talked briefly about the 1919 thing. You know, there's the, even, even the other stories like the stuff that we're willing to forget. I mean, Lance Briggs drove his Lamborghini into the side of a, a overpass. And we don't talk about it in this town. Lance Briggs is celebrated as one of the greatest bears of all times. This is a dude who was driving so drunk at 100 and something miles an hour that he destroyed a Lamborghini. And left it, abandoned it on the road, and never got charged with anything. And everyone kind of just forgets it. You know, Lawrence Taylor is now celebrated on NFL Network as one of the, you know, greats of the game. And Lawrence Taylor, for everything that, about that dude, realistically was more self-destructive than he was ever hurtful to anybody else. Mm-hmm. But you got Ray Lewis, who's on the NFL Network every Sunday, you know, doing broadcasts. You have Ray Rice, who's just out there trying to get a job. Adrian Peterson is still playing in the game. The Kobe Bryant thing in Colorado where... But I'll tell you this about the Kobe thing, and this is the thing with the the, the Kobe thing for me. Kobe was exonerated. You know, people can argue back and forth whether or not he should have been, but you can still be a Kobe Bryant fan if you want to because he went before court and the court said no, that he didn't do this. You know, that's, that's a different thing than... Patrick Kane, who's going to walk away from this on a technicality. And, right. it, and it makes me, honestly, dude, it comes down to this. It makes my skin crawl. It makes my skin crawl to think that in three months, and I know, because I went through this last year with football, you and I had hour an hour and a half long conversations about me going, I, I, I hate this because I know that come... February, come you know November, December. I'm gonna be right back in full bore rooting for the Bears and, and and watching football because that's what I do with my falls on Sunday, and I don't want it taken away from me. But at the same time, every single time I watch an NFL game now, I'm disgusted with the stories that go around it. There's a story going on right now that Ben Roethlisberger. Oh, what a shame! He's gonna miss the entire season. Ben Roethlisberger raped a girl in a in a bathroom and got away with it. You know, and the evidence tells you that that's what happened. But he got away with it on a technicality and from, you know, pleading down in the whole deal. He, he got out of it. And he plays in the NFL, and he is celebrated as one of the greats in the game. But the truth is, this is a bad human being who has done a terrible thing and never been held accounted for, but we don't care. And every time, you know, the Steelers are on, I feel sick. And now I'm going to feel that way when my Blackhawks play. I've got... Derek Rose sitting there talking to me about yes. Did you hear what happened with the media day yesterday with him? Mm-mm. So he he's getting interviewed. It's the first day of interviews with the team. You know, he says that he's going to be found innocent of the the chart the thing against him, which isn't a charge. He's not going to be found innocent. He needs to be found not liable by the preponderance of the evidence. But he came out and basically said, he goes, well, the whole reason I've been working out all summer is to get ready for two years when I'm a free agent so I can make sure that my kids are taken care of. The guy's made half a million do- or half a billion dollars in five years by playing a hundred games. Like, you're worried about whether or not you're going to have enough money or are you, you know, it's, everything about sports has become so, it's become such reality television that it's basically, that's all it is now. It's reality television. And it, it, and it, it bothers me. And, and I don't like, I honestly, man, I, I don't know about you. I just, 
you wrestled in college. You played tennis in college. You coached tennis after college. You have an athletic background. I played hockey and football in high school. There's a purity to sport when it's about overcoming adversity, about working through pain, about you know being there for your teammates. The the whole military, you know, being the uh, being there for the guy in the foxhole next to you kind of thing, right? You can be on a team with somebody and hate every member of your teammates, but you're on a team, so you have to do what you can to help the team win. At the same time, though, that purity of it that that thing that you learn to love about it when you're a kid is just gone now when you're watching professional sports and it's gone when i'm watching college sports because of all the scandals with college sports which we haven't even touched today which one day you and i will do a very long show about ncaa and how screwed up that organization is but it it's just i don't know man i just i'm so tired of it's a it's a Bill Cosby line, but I and I, but it's it fits. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, and I I don't want to be watching sports and feeling guilty about it. You know. Yeah, and, but like I said, also towards the beginning beginning of this episode, that I have a different perspective in sports um, than the fan. And even though I've done college, you know, I got to know certain pro athletes, current as well as um, retired ones, as well as coaches. And when you're actually inside something, um, your whole fandom changes, you know. So when you hear something about a rape or someone beat the crap out of somebody or there's embezzlement or anything. For me, it's like, I know. <laughs> I mean, I've seen that. I've talked with people about that. Um, that's nothing new to me. For the fan, it is because they just watch it on their TV screen or wherever it's at. And, you know, they're, they're hearing it for the first time. Even though I'm not hearing, hearing it, like, immediately, I'm getting it from a few sources and everything. Um, and like I said before, you know, I just get sick and tired because these are the things I hear all the time. And I've witnessed some things that, that it's like, I don't get it. You, 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 you knew what this person did, what that organization does, and you're doing the exact same thing. What don't you understand? You know, you know what's going to happen when you're doing this conduct and why you're doing it to yourself. Is there some help that you need? Is there an outlet that you're not utilizing. Um, tell me, tell somebody, because this is a problem for you and the ripple that's going to, that you've now created. Hmm. All right. I, um, before we get out of here, I mean, just looking back on it though, throughout my life and all the stuff that I've ever followed when it comes to this stuff, I, I wonder I wonder if we talked to people who were in their 50s or 60s, if they went through something similar with, you know, the Greenies scandal in baseball in the 70s mm-hmm. or how betrayed they felt. Because by the time I got into baseball, it was so evident that guys were on steroids that I, it never really entered my thought process until somebody really hammered home the difference that it makes in the game. You know, and, and steroids, in comparison to what's going on in sports now, seems like such a minor 
problem. In comparison to, look, you and I both come from a pretty liberal place, and and I don't mean physically, I mean mentally. Like we're both pretty liberal guys, and you know I'm a big defender of of women's issues, and there is something in sports culture that treats women like dirt. It just does, and we're people seem okay with it, which is the part that's even worse. And there's this. We spent an entire summer, besides the Patrick Kane thing, dealing with Deflategate and the Tom Brady story. And Tom Brady basically standing up going, no, this is stupid, I'm not taking... You know, the whole... If you don't know what Deflategate is, I assume you sunk at sea at some point. Um, But we spent the whole time dealing with that scandal. Meanwhile, you've got... Guys who were in the league who were arrested throughout the you know the 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 off season for all manner of stuff and nobody really covers it nobody cares because it's expected kind of like how you're saying with the look I knew about this you know f- ten years ago this is not shocking information that aspect of it is culturally what we need to change we need to change a culture that says you know what <laughs> raping a woman is on the same level at, or beating a woman is on the same level as cheating at a game. There, there's no comparison to the two. Jose Canseco took steroids. Jose Canseco is, by all accounts, not the nicest person in the world. But Jose Canseco never did anything violently wrong to anybody else that I know of. He may have. I'm, I'm, I'm going off memory here. But as far as I know, just going off the steroid stuff, that doesn't make him a horrible human being. But he's treated as a horrible human being. Meanwhile, guys who have gotten away with murder and rape because they were able to come back and play and dominate... You know, it's a, it's a whole thing. Barry Bonds is vilified in this country, and in my opinion, you know, sometimes rightfully so for his, the way he handled his scandals. But at the end of the day, what did Barry Bonds really do? He cheated at a children's game, you know? But he's vilified. Adrian, Jose, I, I think I recall Jose Canseco beating his girlfriend. Okay, fair enough. I, 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 don't, I don't remember whether... I, 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 I kind of remember that because... There was something like tied because again it goes back to the microscope aspect. People knew Consenco was on steroids, and they wanted to get him on something. And then when he beat his then girlfriend, I think it was '88. I want to say, then it's like, oh, now there's a correlation between your steroids and beating your girlfriend. You know, um, yeah, that's the one I can. I call. But you're right. I mean, even like the steroid issue, um, I think that's equally as important as rape, beatings, stuff like that. Because even though you're not really harming somebody, unless there's like that mental component that comes along with um, anabolic steroids and everything, um, you're still harming yourself. And, you know, you're, cre- you're manufacturing something in order to gain something, and we're going back, back to Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire battle for the battle of the home runs. Well, yeah, the, 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 the tacit agreement between the media and Major League Baseball where nobody investigated anything. I mean, right. the, the, the and, Andrew Steen and Mark McGuire's uh, locker that was perfectly legal under the thing, but you, the minute anybody looked into it, it was like, no, this is just a steroid. It's just a legal steroid. And everyone was just like, yeah, but he's hitting home. I always come, you know what I always come back to, and this is probably a good place to get to the ending. If you want to look at the history of sports scandals, it is summed up, ironically, in the greatest 
foreshadowing, I guess, in the history of television, and it belongs to The Simpsons. Do you know what I'm talking about? What's episode? The episode where Bart takes Ritalin. Do you remember how that episode ends? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to tell people who don't remember, but this is how that episode ends. Bart takes Ritalin and becomes convinced that there's a conspiracy that is ruling the world. And they say, who's doing it? And he says, Major League Baseball. And the episode ends with Bart stealing a tank, and he shoots a satellite out of the sky that lands in a field. And he goes, see, I told you, Major League Baseball is spying on us. And they open it up, and it's got like a list of jersey and hat sizes for every resident of Springfield. And all of a sudden... Before the steroid scandal really took over, Mark McGuire drops in from a helicopter, and Bart says to Mark McGuire, Mark, Mr. McGuire, why is Major League Baseball spying on us? And McGuire looks at Bart Simpson and says, would you like to know the terrifying secret, or would you rather see me hit some dingers? And everyone in town goes, Dingers! And Mark McGuire stands there. He hits a home run really far, and he picks up the secret records, and he puts them under his hat, and he pulls the hat down over it. It's not a guest. It's not. It's not a. It's not an actor. It's actually Mark McGuire's voice. That is how that episode ends. And if there is not a better moment of satire of American sports fandom, you'd be hard pressed to find it. Do you want to know the horrifying secret, or do you want to see me hit dingers? I'd rather right. see you hit dingers, and we're all okay with that. And that's what we've all agreed to. So unless somebody comes up with a way to change that, I think we're stuck in this loop, man. Don't you? Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's like I said before, it's the same thing like politics. We know what's going to happen, you know, like Clinton, the emails. We know what's going to happen and everything. And just like, well, there's a, the steroid scandal, a rape scandal, embezzlement scandal, whatever, we all know, and we get caught up on it, and we enable it, and we need to change that culture as fans, because without our money, without our time, then you're not going to change anything, I feel. All right, man. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're going to wrap this thing up there. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Chicago Podcast Network's Out Front with AJ and Nick. I have been your host, Nick Sorrentos, joined by my co-host, AJ. Say goodbye to the people. Goodbye. All right, folks, we'll talk to you again uh, probably in a couple days about a whole other issue. If not, we'll definitely have another show for you Monday. This has been the Chicago Podcast Network's Out Front. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will talk to you later. Find us on Twitter at Chicago Podcast Network. You can email us, chicagopodcastnetwork at gmail.com. And most importantly, you can find us on Facebook at the Chicago Podcast Network Facebook page. All of those are available for you to get in touch with us and tell us how much you hate us. We'll uh, be back on later episode folks thanks bye This has been a production of the Chicago Podcast Network theme music provided by the Free Music Archive, Morning Blue by Josh Woodward. That's Josh Woodward on the Free Music Archive. Thanks so much for listening. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Gmail. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it.